You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. I have Guru Benavar, uh, Viome's Chief Technology Officer, and the company is V-I-O-M-E. It's like Biome, but with a V. So, Guru, thanks for coming. You bet, Richard. Yeah, well, well, so what do you, what, uh, well, first of all, Viome itself, I know we've you know, spoken to two people at Viome before, um, but in your own words, what's the mission of Viome? What are you guys about? Viome is about eliminating chronic illness. And uh, we think that uh, the way to do that is to first understand the gene expression within your biology and use the best available food and supplements to help get your gene expression to a healthy, um, long-term, preventative kind of a state for you as an individual, meaning personalized, as opposed to just... um, you know, doing a one-size-fits-all for everybody. Rich, does that make sense? Can you hear me? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I was going to joke and say, uh, you know, food and supplements are a lot better than trying to knock out my crispy cream gene, you know, to prevent me from eating that. Yeah, we think uh, we think doing this in a, in a natural way, going back to sort of the basics and uh, getting, you know, totally connected with the right kinds of foods and... Um, you know, maybe even turning into some of those foods into supplements and uh, food extracts, you know, including all the changes that, um, you know, that are required for your most interesting and important organ, which is the gut microbiome. Uh, that's what we think uh, we should um, we should be doing. And the reason we picked, of course, the gut microbiome is probably pretty uh, clear to many of your, your, your uh, listeners that um, the, the gut microbiome is the most important and, uh, you know, known as the second brain. It's, uh, it's the most important organ that uh, drives many of the um, chronic illnesses that uh, we've been seeing in the, especially in the developed world in the last uh, few decades. Uh, there's been a tremendous increase in the number of people who have chronic illness, you know, pretty much everybody around you. If you look around, you, every other person probably has some kind of chronic illness, whether it is oh, yeah. some kind of an autoimmune disease or some kind of metabolic or neurological or, you know, one of those 
many different types of things, including cancer, right? All of these are chronic diseases that everybody suffers from. And we think it's because um, sort of the pendulum swung too far in the industrial revolution where, you know, we started kind of going after the microbes, all microbes, even though we meant to only handle infectious diseases. We literally, you know, had antibiotics and we had all kinds of antimicrobial, you know, um, liquids and uh, sprays and what have you everywhere around us. And so we basically demolished the microbiome inside um, our, you know, our own bellies. And um, that's ha- that has actually caused a tremendous imbalance in the microbiome in the last few decades. And we've, we've been discovering that, you know, having and restoring the right kind of activity, and that's the key word, activity, in your microbiome, will and, you know, probably uh, is the most reliable way to get people back into optimal health. Well, the difficulty is, you know, from what I've read and seen, everyone's microbiome is different. No one's really sure how different. But how do you know uh, what someone's healthy state was versus their current dysbiosis? And how do you restore them to a healthy state? How do you figure that out? Yeah, so the, the way to figure it out is through a lot of data, right? So what we do, and that, see, this is my job in Biome. So I am very, you know, uh, intimately familiar with uh, all of the data we get, plus um, I'm also very passionate about how to use data to understand what goes on in very complex, large systems like the microbiome. So the way we do it is, first of all, um, we collect data from from um, you know thousands and thousands of people at this point in time, Viome is getting close to a hundred thousand customers, and uh, so that's a lot of data, right? So when you when you think about that many samples, each sample um, stool sample from uh, a customer has approximately you know um, a few thousand, let's say twenty five hundred or so uh, different organisms that we can see being active. Mm-hmm. We can see somewhere around, you know, 8,000 or so genes or, you know, actually these are not individual genes. These are sort of collections of genes that may come from different organisms. So these are clusters. So we see 8,000 or so clusters of such genes that are active in the microbiome. And those are, those kind of represent functions that are happening in your microbiome, such as, for example, you know, the production of certain metabolites can be considered a function. And that right. doesn't happen just with, you know, a, a, an organism. Um, but it happens because there are genes that are active across multiple organisms and they together make certain metabolites. I mean, including vitamins, for example, you know, your vitamin K, for example, that is generated in your microbiome, that's a function. And we can see these functional groups of activities in your microbiome and somebody else's microbiome and so forth. But when you have so much data, we can see what is the difference in these patterns of activity between people who have a particular disease like irritable bowel syndrome and people who don't have that disease, right? So we can see what the differences are between these populations. And those differences tell us how to restore you know, the patterns in the people who have IBS to the patterns potentially, right, of the people who don't have IBS. That's that's how you tell the difference. 
So what I know, you know, some things you can't say, but what can you say, for instance, an IBS or any other condition? What differences have you seen in looking at thousands of different microbiomes? Yeah. So um, look, we uh, so the way uh, the way I'll put it is we are seeing differences in um, disease versus healthy populations one by one. Okay. So let me start with um, let me start with um, glucose response, right? Which is actually fundamental to, to diabetes. Um, so we just wrote a paper, and the paper is available on BioArchive, and that tells us that the difference between people who have um, good glycemic response, meaning that you know they don't have a very high glucose response for even for foods that may have high levels of carbs, right, have certain pathways in their microbiome that are more active. So for example, there's a pathway called the indole acetate pathway. That particular pathway is, you know, it consists of a number of enzymes and genes that are all acting together to, to, to actually, you know, contain the glucose response of individuals or, you know, of, 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 uh, your, you know, that is driven through your microbiome basically. Right. So, um, we see that as, as one of the examples, you know, on the other hand, if we see that, you know, there's another pathway called the fucose pathway that is, you know, that is positively correlated with your, your glucose response, meaning that if that pathway is more active, then we see that when you eat a food containing more carbs, your glycemic response, your glucose response will be much higher. So there's, you know, there's a whole list of such pathways that we see as the differences between um, people who have, you know, high glucose response versus people who don't have high glucose response. And that's published in, in, this, in this paper that I just mentioned. So that's the first thing that we've already published. Now, it turns out for irritable bowel syndrome, there's, again, a series of these pathways that are going to be more active for people who have IBS versus people who don't. Now, because we have not yet published that paper yet, and we, we will be publishing it shortly, I cannot talk about it right now and, you know, give away all the answers, you know, before we publish it. But, let, you know, suffice it to say that we have seen that certain pathways are more active in people with IBS and um, more active in people without IBS. And those will be published very shortly. Well, in terms of glucose uh, response, what happens if um, you see someone with a, you know, a microbiome where their glucose, you know, their pathways are missing, whatever it is. So the glucose uptake, I guess, is diminished. Does that mean that more undigested glucose, for instance, comes out in the feces? Like what happens to it if, uh, if someone has, let's say, they don't, you know, they don't respond very uh, positively. Or, sorry, they don't respond very much to high carbohydrate foods. For some reason, their body just doesn't, you know, produce a lot of the uh, converted to a lot of sugar. What happens to it? Do you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so look, um, carbohydrates are a food substrate that that gets translated to many things. Okay, not it's just it's not just absorbed as glucose and and processed by the you know the human cells, but it's actually processed by your microbes to generate a number of different metabolites. So for example, there is a whole class of metabolites called short chain fatty acids. And uh, one example of a short chain fatty acid is butyrate. Um, another example is propionate. Now these short chain fatty acids are generally very good for your inflammation, meaning they're anti-inflammatory in nature. So, um, so one, of the, one of the things that the bacteria in your gut microbiome do is 
to translate certain kinds of carbohydrates into butyrate. And if those translations or conversions happen because your pathways for butyrate metabolism is, is functioning well and is fun, you know, functioning at a high level, that would be a great piece of news for you because um, that will result in lower inflammation in your gut lining, which is considered to be one of the fundamental factors for, um, for chronic illness of many different types, right? So, you know, there's, there's this whole idea of a leaky gut or, a, or an inflamed gut that could be causing a whole range of different issues in your body. And um, irritable bowel syndrome, you know, is definitely one of those f- of, um, diseases that have been given a name after, um, you know, various kinds of inflammation could be happening in your gut. Um, and, and the more direct um, disease that people associate with inflammation, of course, is inflammatory bowel disease, right? So inflammatory bowel disease is um, of multiple kinds. One of them is, you know, called Crohn's. Another one is called um, ulcerative colitis. Now, these are all happening because the anti-inflammatory properties of your gut are not very active. And in, in fact, the pro-inflammatory properties of your gut may be overly active, right? And there's, there's both pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory activities that your microbiome does. And so one of the things that we um, can do in Viome is to see out of all the pathways that are active in your microbiome, which of your anti-inflammatory pathways are active and which of your pro-inflammatory pathways are active and um, give you essentially some scores. And, you know, if you, if you uh, look at your Viome app after you, you know, send your samples in, um, we give you scores for your inflammatory activity. It could be low, medium, or high. And you can tell, you know, whether, okay, uh, is, is my inflammation high because... Um, you know, all of my, you know, pro-inflammatory pathways like LPS, for example, or anti-inflammatory pathways like butyrate, all of these are, you know, in in a certain combination, because these are all sort of combined together to give you your uh, inflammatory score. And, and, and so what we, what we end up doing is we use all of these pathway scores to determine what are the foods you should be eating so that you can turn on or turn off the appropriate pathways. So, you know, if you see that there's some substrate that if you eat more of, you can increase the anti-inflammatory pathways, then we, you know, we, we propose that as a, I recommend that for your, for you as an individual. And the idea is that if you do follow those recommendations over time, you should be seeing an improvement in the inflammatory um, activity of your, of your gut. So that's kind of the whole series of reasons, reasoning that we do in our, in our right. AI system. So is the um, appearance or lack of pathways, does that correlate downstream with which species will appear or won't appear in the gut in large amounts or small amounts? I mean, yeah. there's no food for subsequent species, so they're not present. So Rich, I, I want to I wanna just state that um, looking at species or strains is not actually the best way to look at your microbiome. And, you know, even though 99% of the literature in this field has been looking at taxa, meaning uh, species and, and, you know, genera, genus, uh, or strains, that's actually not a good way because, um, you know, these, these species or these bacteria are just arbitrary collections of, you know, genes, right? Each, you know, bacteria typically have about 3,000 genes each, but it turns out that multiple bacteria can have the same genes, 
meaning that, you know, bacteria A and bacteria B can both have anti-inflammatory genes or pro-inflammatory genes. So just because bacteria A is active doesn't mean that it always has an anti-inflammatory effect on you. Or bacteria B is active doesn't mean that it always has a pro-inflammatory effect on you. You know, it, it can be the other way around because both bacteria may have genes and pathways that have either pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory. So what is important is to look at the genes themselves and the activity of the genes themselves that underlies these, these organisms. And that's what we do at Bio. We look at all of your genes and we say, which genes are active regardless of which organism it comes from. So when you then, when you start seeing which genes are active, we can say, oh, look, you know, your anti-inflammatory pathways are high. You know, we don't, we don't care which organisms it comes from because, you know, those organisms are not a reliable way of saying they're, they're always going to be anti-inflammatory, pro-inflammatory. So we simply say your anti-inflammatory pathways are doing well, regardless of which organisms they come from. So, so my, one of my key messages today is that looking at your microbiome just as species or strains or genus level, that's not at all the right way to look at it. What you should be looking at is what are the functions that your microbiome is um, active for? And that word active is my second message, right? It's not just about what DNA your microbiome has, but it is which DNA has been expressed as RNA. And that means, you know, it's active as opposed to all the you know, potential DNA that could have been active, we, we actually see what is the actual RNA that is active, independent of which organism it came from. And that's kind of how we compute all of these scores that we show you in your, um, in your Viome app, if you get it. Yeah, I get it. So then regardless of the mechanism, you've seen that, you know, eating X versus not eating X, you know, like, oh, include Jerusalem artichokes and avocados in your diet, that will change these pathways. You see, you have seen a definite correlation. Different Actually, food causes different pathway expression. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's not just us. We have literally thousands of uh, literature points, you know, which we, you know, which we also see and, you know, always take into account in our um, scoring formulation for each of these pathways. We see what kinds of you know, literature support from all of the other scientists that have been working in this area has already shown us. And we incorporate all of those into our algorithms or, you know, think of them as sort of decision trees or AI algorithms that we've, we've implemented within the biome system. Well, it's nice. It's a different way to look at it. You know, like you said, 99% of the literature out there talks about just species and you know, from a taxa approach. So you're looking at a pathway approach. Yeah. Um, any, any sense of how much of a given food or the absence of a food will affect these pathways and how long it takes and how much of a change that can occur over time? Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, I mean, you're hitting now on, um, on some of the new clinical studies that we're doing. So one of the, um, you know, uh, I mean, actually there's multiple studies that we're currently doing with many partners where we are doing longitudinal analysis of your microbiome. So for example, you know, we can um, get a sample of your microbiome every week for, you know, 10 weeks or 12 weeks and see what are the changes that happens when you follow the diet that we have recommended to you. And this is, this is one of the ongoing studies we have right now. Um, another study we have is 
looking at um, you know how to capture the um, inflammation that you know or inflammatory activities that changes, especially for people who have chronic inflammatory diseases like IBD. I was telling you about earlier, right? So you know what happens in IBD as just you know just to give you a very concrete example is that you know once you start suffering from IBD, it never really goes away, right? So you have to continuously manage it by eating the right foods or taking medications. Unfortunately, you know, the traditional medicine asks you to take a lot of very strong medicines like biologics and these biologics can have lots of side effects and what have you. But what we are trying to sort of figure out is can you control and can you manage a low level of inflammation in your gut just by eating the right foods? And in order to do that, some of the studies that we're doing right now are essentially tracking longitudinally, right? Every week, every month, we look at, you know, one sample of your, of your gut microbiome and we say, hey, you know, what has been changing? And then when somebody gets into some kind of a flare-up of one of these inflammatory diseases, we say, okay, what just changed in the microbiome that caused them to become uh, suddenly um, inflamed? And then you know, that inflammation may stay for like a few weeks and then that may go away, you know? So, you know, uh, an inflamed gut can go from in, n- n- healthy to very sick, to healthy very, very fast, you know, within a matter of a few weeks. So we need to track all of those things. So we are currently doing these clinical studies to tell exactly the answer to your question about what are the changes in your gut microbiome that are causing the inflammation to go up dramatically. And then the next step after that is for us to say, what kinds of foods can in fact uh, prevent that inflammation from happening when you look at um, this microbiome over time? Well, you'll see change, no doubt. But again, if you see change in the uh, prevalence of a pathway, you know, up or down regulation of it, I guess I could say, then that's fine. But what led to that? And that would probably be the appearance or disappearance of various species. Oh, it's again, you know, it's 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 um, it's the food that you eat, right? right? So your food essentially provides the substrates for the microbiome to activate or deactivate various pathways. So, for example, if you eat a lot of fibers, specific actually specific kinds of fibers, you know, complex carbohydrates, then um, many of these microbial pathways start to become active. And if you do not eat those fibers, then you are, you are actually preventing these, these pathways from becoming active. So the, the starting point for your microbial pathways to become active is, is definitely food. And so this is why we believe in Viome that, you know, getting the right macronutrients and micronutrients in your food is, is, is really the best way to manage your, um, your, your chronic illness. Now, I, I want to mention, you know, two things here, Right. So there's, you know, when I say food, I'm thinking about, you know, complex carbohydrates like, um, you know, prebiotics, right? They're also known as prebiotics um, that can help you, that can help your current um, microbiome or organisms in your microbiome um, become more active or more abundant um, in your, uh, in your microbiome. That's, that's, that's for existing microbes or existing genes in your microbiome. Okay. There's also the possibility that um, if you do not have particular kinds of um, organisms or genes, microbial genes, we could give you probiotics, right? 
So right. there's been, you know, there's been a number of studies that show, for example, that acromancia is a very beneficial, um, you know, uh, probiotic for certain kinds of uh, chronic diseases, like including diabetes, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of literature that supports that. So um, there can be probiotics and there can be prebiotics. Those are the two different kinds of things that we look at. And sometimes we can also give you instead of you know activating your micro your microbiome to generate certain metabolites, we can you know if if there's a severe lack of metabolites, we could also give you the actual end result, meaning that metabolite itself to boost your um, activity uh, for a short period of time. That's that's not sustainable because that's not, you know, continuously generated by your microbiome. It's just a short-term fix while we actually, you know, improve your microbiome so that it can give you the long-term fix, right? So these yeah, are all different, different ways of putting things together. You know, you can give probiotics, you can give prebiotics, you can give metabolites directly, and you can, in fact, combine all of these things. In fact, that's exactly what we want to do next, right? We want to take well, the insights of, you know, what is active and what is not active in your microbiome turn that into supplements, right? And specifically for you, right? So it could be like, you know, maybe we discover that there are nine things that we need to give you, give your, give your microbiome in order to restore all of these different pathways um, and the metabolites that we see a lack of. And we can combine those nine um, ingredients into three or four pills or, you know, supplement pills that we could give you as a personalized pill pack that, you know, we mail that to your house and you can, um, you know, literally, you know, pop it in every morning. Uh, and that yeah. becomes sort of your personalized sort of wellness sort of regime, right? That's kind of where we're going next. That's very cool. Um, would you consider a, uh, an unprocessed, you know, non-irradiated food to be itself a prebiotic and a probiotic? Because, you know, I would think natural things, you know, like if I pull a banana off a tree and I eat it, it should have its own associated microbiome with it. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's a lot of probiotics in your, in, in, in natural food that, that you can get, you know, salads and I mean, all, all kinds of different things, right? So uh, fruits as well, right? And, and, and again, you know, there's no such thing as a single food being, uh, you know, good for everybody. Uh, you know, we have seen that, you know, broccoli can be good for you and it can be bad for me. You know, it, 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 you know, on the other hand, you know, the a banana can be, you know, can be great for me, but could be terrible for you. You know, it's, um, I mean, one of the, one of the things that we published in a paper recently is that, you know, if, if you and I eat, let's say two very well known foods like a banana and, and bread. Okay. It could be the case that, you know, my blood sugar spikes when I eat bread, but does not spike at all when I eat banana, but your blood sugar spikes when you eat a banana and you, it does not spike at all when you eat bread. Mm. And that difference between you and me is is pretty fundamental for us to understand. It's not like, you know, I can tell you everybody that, you know, banana is a good food because it, it's, it's good for me, not good for you, right? So it's the same thing for pretty much most foods. It's not like there's a universal great diet for everybody. It has to be personalized. And that's why we, we think um, we need to understand your biology first through some kind of home tests, like, like our gut microbiome test. And based on that, we can give you what will work for you, but definitely, you know, it does not definitely work for anybody else. This is like a whole continuum, you know, like, a, I guess an aware person could get like a food sensitivities test, but that's maybe just things to avoid. But you can continue into the health part of the spectrum and 
you know, go through Viome, for instance, and see what foods to add or yeah. to have more of as well. So you get the more complete picture and a personalized one. Totally, totally. I think that's 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 a that's a great way to think about it. So it's definitely a continuum, and and you know, it's, and that's actually a, a way for um, us to also talk about you know the microbiome and its role in the overall biology, right? Microbiome is is a very critical element. It's a key element of your biology, but it's not the whole thing, right? There's a lot of other things that are going on in your body, like you know, for example, how your human genome is being expressed. Um, and how the interaction between your human um, uh, expression, human gene expression, and the microbial expression of uh, the pathways, right? What the interactions are between the two. And that, that interaction, in fact, causes the main uh, sort of personal, you know, biological issues or, or health that you experience. So um, what, you know, what we thought in, in Viome is... Uh, of course, that the microbiome is a great place to start, and we've made a lot of progress with that. But we're now at a point where we are saying, uh, let's start completing the picture and start adding the human uh, host part of the puzzle as well. And so, in you know, we are we've been doing R and D on blood transcriptomics uh, kit, which is basically a kit that you know, similar kit as as your gut microbiome kit that you get at home, but you just um, you know prick your finger you know, get, get a few drops of blood, blood and send it to our lab where we see what is the expression of genes in your human, um, you know, uh, blood. And, yeah. and, and now we see the interaction between the gene expression that's going on in your human uh, cells and the gene expression that's going on in your microbial cells in your gut microbiome. And the two of them together gives us a much more complete picture of what is going on in your body instead of just yeah. looking at the microbiome alone. So that's, that's kind of the next step that we are talking about here. And we have started to do a number of studies. Um, and, you know, we've started noticing, for example, that, you know, we can predict, um, you know, lots of things about your phenotype once we see your gut microbiome and your blood transcriptome both together. So, for example, we can predict your age just by looking at your microbiome and your blood transcriptome. We can say, you know, you're probably within, you know, these, you know, sort of this eight plus or minus eight years of your actual age. Um, We can say whether you sleep well or not by looking at your microbiome. We can say whether you took an antibiotic or not. You know, that's probably a little bit more obvious, right? Because antibiotic has such a big influence on on your microbiome. Um, We can tell what kind of bowel movements you have, right? We kind of, uh, we can say, you know, what your general health is. Um, so we can say all of these things just by looking at your data without asking you any further questions, right? So what that's leading us to believe is that once you get this picture, the full picture of your biology, we are going to be able to, you know, create, you know, almost like a digital, digital, um, you know, a virtual bio, bio, biological model of your body, right? right? Given, given all of these different pieces of, you know, the puzzle. And based on that, we can start telling you um, about, you know, what kinds of functions are active, what kinds of functions are not active. And, and of course, you know, we need to be, you know, we can give you some lifestyle advice and food advice and everything else going forward. So how specific are your recommendations right now? If I, you know, if I send my kid in today, you get my kit and, you know, how good, how, how specific will the recommendations be? Because the reason why I ask is years ago, you know, I had my microbiome sequenced by a number of companies, I won't say who, but. 
And they basically told me nothing. I don't know if they were allowed to, but they said, oh, you have this species and that species and this species, and that was it. They couldn't say any more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you know, you should definitely give it a try right now for for bio. I mean, the, I mean, the, the science has come, you know, made a lot of progress. And and in our case specifically, what we tell so we we tell you two things. Okay, there's, there's one section uh, of our app that's called the results, and the other section of our app that's called recommendations. And the results basically tell you what is going on in your microbiome. So it tells you the long list, very long list, in fact, of the species in your in your microbiome. But more importantly, more importantly, it tells you the pathways that are active in your microbiome. Okay, so for example, it tells you that your butyrate path pathway is highly active, and your uh, LPS pathway is not very active, which is a good thing, by the way, right? And it can tell you that your oxalate pathways are sort of average, right? So there are 20 such pathways that it tells you about uh, regarding your microbiome functions, right? Think of these as functions as opposed to just species because species are, you know, by themselves, species are just a, a kind of a curiosity, you know? It's right, not, you tell me, yeah. 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 So, uh, so these functions give you a lot of insight into what is going on. So that's the results part. The uh, recommendations part are also pretty specific. It tells you, you know, it gives you like a list of hundreds of foods and it classifies them into your superfoods. So there's, you know, typically, you know, 15 to 25 or 30 superfoods that every individual has. And, you know, these are your go-to foods. And, you know, you could have, for example, broccoli on your superfood list because maybe, you know, um, you, you know, that you have some information going on and maybe there's some liver detox support needed um and you know broccoli is great for that so you could have that but for me it could be on my avoid list because you know i have you know too much you know maybe there's um thyroid function support that that i need and or maybe there's too much sulfide gas being produced and so forth so maybe avoid for me the same exact food and then we also have um uh, a, a list of about 20 foods or 30 foods that definitely you should not eat too much off, right? You should be avoiding that, meaning, you know, don't eat more than once per week or per every other week or something like that. Um, and again, you know, these superfoods and avoid foods could be quite different from, you know, from each individual to individual. So that's the level of specificity we go to. And then what if I, um, if I get, you know, my microbiome evaluated by you and then I do the test again later, you know, what do you recommend a month later, six months later? We recommend, at this point, we recommend 90 days later, three months later. Um, so in fact, when we give you our recommendations, the food recommendations, we say these recommendations expire after 90 days and you need to retest. And of course, you know, not everybody retests, but still we know that there's, you know, your microbiome is, uh, is dynamic, right? It's active, you know, because we are checking for activity. So once you eat, once you follow the recommendations, it's definitely going to change your microbiome. And at this point in time, you know, we are, we are doing lots of studies to say what is the optimal time to retest, but we think 90 days is a very good time for, for a retest. And, you know, you can see the, the changes in your microbiome if you followed the recommendations and the changes manifest themselves as scores changes. You'll see differences in your you know, activities in your microbiome, you'll also see changes in your, in your recommendations themselves. Because, you know, if you, you know, if you ate a certain kind, certain set of things, you know, you're, you're definitely going to change the activity levels in your, in your microbiome. So that's going to definitely cause, um, 
you know, variations in your, um, in, in your core, you know, pathway activities as well. Okay, very good. What, what kind of anecdotal uh, comments have you gotten from people that have sent in samples? You know, when they've made a change and then they've, they've come back to you and sampled again, anything that sticks out at you that's really interesting? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, people have come back to us and said that, you know, what they used to suffer with um, rheumatoid arthritis and their, you know, joint pain and so forth has started to has started to vanish. People have lost weight. People have, you know, started feeling, um, you know, clear in their head, you know, no brain fog, that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. People have started to sleep better. I mean, there's actually a whole video on our website about, you know, uh, customers of Viome who have come back to us with uh you know, these kinds of testimonials, Um, you know, we also are doing systematic studies, right? Not just anecdotes, but we're doing systematic studies uh, where we see the sort of the consistent and, um, you know, repeatable kind of um, changes that happen in the, in the microbiome and therefore in the phenotypes, right? All the symptoms and, you know, lifestyle factors that people care about, those changes are also, we are, we are beginning to, you know, quantify those changes, through a number of these studies, um, which are going to be, you know, many of them are going to be, long, excuse me, longitudinal in the sense that, you know, we, we track, you know, how well people are following the recommendations and what the symptoms changes are over time. Mm-hmm. So we are doing those kinds of studies now, and we will start to publish the results from those studies um, as soon as we have them. Okay. Well, very good. Um, what's the best way for people to, you know, first of all, find out what services you offer to get a kit? maybe to read papers that you're putting out, you know, what do you recommend? Um, you know, just go to viome.com and we put all our, you know, first of all, you know, our kits are, you know, $149 at this point in time. And many times there are sales that, you know, bring it down to $129. Uh, so it's, um, it, it's, it should be, you know, something that everybody should be doing in my mind. And in our website, there's also a science section. And if you go to the science section, there's, you know, a lot of information about uh, the fundamentals of, you know, foundations on which we build our recommendations. Um, if you're interested in the papers, you can just go to Google and you can type in uh, my name, Guru Bonavar, uh, for example, or you can simply say Viome and um, metatranscriptomics, which is the technology that we use and the science that we use. And you will see our published papers. You know, some of them are published in peer-reviewed uh, journals. Others are on uh, pre-print servers like BioArchive, and you'll see all of these things. And obviously, you can respond directly on these websites, on these online sites. And um, if you do so, uh, we will be happy to, you know, respond to your uh, to your comments uh, anytime. All right, that's great. Well, Guru, thank you for all that you do, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you very much, uh, Rich. This was a pleasure. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, 
ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.